This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wode, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal cast and YouTube. Alrighty, folks, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal cast. We've got some quick hits for you and a more diverse topic. Mm-hmm. Sorry, more in-depth topic after that. Our quick hits are going to be B&R. It happened today. We're going to keep it short, simple, to the point. Neither of us have spoken to each other about our opinions on this. We just set it up as B&Rs here. Let's give two-minute quick hit yep. and then move on to the delay in organized play mm-hmm. and what that means for Magic going back to exclusively a digital-only, absolutely no LGS format. So, let's get it taken away with our quick takes on the B&R. Uh, so, let me bring this up real quick. So, we had the BNR today. They hit all the formats they said they would. And it doesn't look terribly exciting. Um, no. Newest to oldest, historic, they just banned a bunch of cards that they restricted. And then they restricted Burning Tree Emissary because, from what I've heard, people that play historic think this is a move to allow uh, Gruel Aggro, the premier aggro deck, to kind of come up in the format but then cut out Burning Tree Emissary to keep it from overtaking. This is the only format that Ember Cleave is good in right now, so sure, let it reign supreme. That's all I really know about that. Pioneer, people don't understand. Right now, the the format seems to be three combo decks, uh, Breach, Inverter, and I don't know the uh, the third... So Lotus Breach is what I mean by Breach, not through the Breach. So Lotus yeah. Breach and Verder and Truth, which is affectionately be calling, been calling Spinner Twin and whatever. And people see this as a move because it seems like Watsi believes that the answer to combo is ramp. And that's traditionally not how that works. So again, a big old question mark. Modern cut at uh, Arkham's Astrolabe. So that could either be a shot across the bow of Yorion. So things like uh, Yorion Bant were kind of taking over on Moto in a control or combo shell, although it's hard to believe that Cat Combo was really popping up on Moto because that deck takes infinite clicks and people weren't playing it in standard when it was available on Moto because of how many clicks it took. Yeah. Uh, it does. Um, you can say that this is a shot at Uro as well because those two cards generally went hand-in-hand hand alongside Yorion. And what happens here is just kind of a, a question mark. This hits Urza a little bit, but that deck fell away, so nobody's really sure why this happened in Modern, because it doesn't really change the metagame all that much. If Uro falls away, hootie who you, you go back to the format prior to Theros, and it doesn't change all that much. And then nobody understands Popper. I. Uh- I, I think the Mystic Sanctuary thing was necessary because it made Ghostly Flicker even better, but uh, financially pretty low impact mm-hmm. on Popper anyways. It's not like that's a huge financial driver. Uh, absolutely. Um, so what what would be your quick take away financially from this? Uh, from this, I would expect Uro to jump in price because of the lack of action in Modern and possibly Urza again. Those two might come back, and there's a feeling that Blood Moon might make more of a showing and thus creep back up in value when people have to rely more on non-basic lands as fixing quote-unquote instead of astrolabe then it allows cards like blood moon to kind of come back so that's that's what i would expect first and foremost 
And that's really the only format on this list I have a familiarity with. I've played a handful of Popper, and I play the uh, Inversion deck, the Tireless Tribe, flip its power, toughest, get you. That has nothing to do with this. It's a, it's a bad deck. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know... I, all aboard that historic train. We've got a arena historic PTQ. I think Wizards has kind of said, well, we're not sure if we're going to kill Modern or Pioneer first, but whichever one of those gets killed, historic is going to be the new paper format, yep. boys and girls. Let's ride that choo-choo into glory. Yep. I think Oath of Nyssa is woefully misguided, and I think that Astrolabe should have been banned in Legacy. I think it may have been a typo that they banned it in Modern, but who knows? I would agree. Uh, Financially, I think you'll see stuff like Urza and Emery take a hit here because, yeah, I, those decks had kind of fallen out of favor, but one of the reasons they were even playable in Modern was because of Astro cards like Astrolabe and Mopal. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, turns out broken cards are still broken, so if they start tanking that bad, free pick, pick them up. Yep. They will definitely recover. Yes. Uh, there's a chance uh, that uh, Nykthos also sees a rise in price because of Oath. They, those Oath, two yeah. went hand-in-hand hand to start in the mono-green ramp lists, and that's basically what Oath opens back up. That, that's yep. what I would expect. Um, I, I didn't pay, to, uh, pay a whole lot of attention to Historic, so it's hard for me to say anything more than what I know, which is that Gruel Aggro is the premier deck, and they yep. left Embercleave alone for a reason. So, ride it. Yep. I also, uh, unrelated to this financially, there were an absurd number of vendors and various discussion groups. It basically said, you know, over the weekend, they filled orders for multiple playsets of Oath of Nyssa to pros, uh, including, you know, people from some large vendors saying that they had 500 placed in a single order that were shipped over the weekend uh, to people who were either known grinders or content creators or something, some associations. So... Mm. More accusations of insider trading, unregulated market throwback to a previous episode. Mm -hmm. That's all I've got financially for the hot takes. Yep. Anything else from you? No, not really. Uh, like, if you want to try and move it on Popper, you can do that. The, the the consensus is, as you mentioned, the Flicker deck, whatever you want to call it, is going to take over. But there, there's not a whole lot in that deck that's going to see yeah. a huge bump financially because it's, it's all relatively new stuff. You know, it's not like Mono Black Control is coming back, so buy into your oubliés now, kind of thing. So yeah. I don't know. This just didn't seem to really... doesn't seem to affect much financially. If they had made some more waves or been a little more targeted, then I think we might have actually seen some fallout uh, financially. Yeah, this. sure. It just seems very middle of the road, very much let's try it and see what happens uh, kind of stuff. This wasn't a ham-fisted banning or unbanning like we have seen before, so that's nice. It's just much like the non-action on Vintage for a full quarter. Uh, the silence on Standard and Legacy speaks volumes in the sense that they're just going to let these formats ride into the sunset. We're not going to see a Standard yeah. change until rotation. So your Shark Typhoons, um, your Vivians, your Nissas uh, into rotation are just going to hold. Because Wilderness Wreck yeah. is going nowhere. So Sure is it. That's what I got for that. So... Paper delay. Uh, I think this is huge. Yep. Obviously, we weren't getting large paper events. We knew that anyways. Uh, LGSs were going to be able to have pre-releases. Now they're not. Mm -hmm. um, 
Jumpstart isn't going to get a big release weekend. They're not going to have anything for it. So it's going to be basically, yet again, another seeming shortage of supply. Uh, it's incredibly interesting that, you know, Mero announced that Jumpstart is going to be a print-at-will product, which is great, except that I can't imagine there's going to be a ton of booster boxes that are going to be sold when you can't draft the format and the demand isn't necessarily there. So I think especially for Jumpstart, this is huge. Yeah. We don't know what the waves look like in terms of size based on when supply and line issues came into play, but if there comes a point where this just kind of trickles out naturally, there's a really good chance that it just falls away as Jumpstart in particular as a kind of demand-driven product until the convention edition mystery boosters went back up, went up on eBay, which everybody knew was going to happen at some point. It seemed like interest in that product just began to wane outside of finance uh, implications for what had already been opened, not the next print run. Yeah, It just seems like interest overall from people who don't own the product yet is just not there. I'm kind of curious what happens with with Jumpstart and whether it becomes worthwhile to try and buy in as a product to hold, uh, kind of like a master's product, or if you want to yeah. wait and see what they put in the Zendikar stuff and buy in there. For, so that's sealed implications immediately. I also think it's worth noting that as everything has evolved, obviously uh, Watsi's response for the LGS level in terms of historic or in terms of paper has also been like let's try to give you some extra stuff see how it goes for you see if you can we can help you along the way it'll be interesting to see if something like jumpstart becomes one of those sets where they just ship them some free extra boxes like they Mm -hmm. did with mystery boosters or if they even continue to do that yeah because i we may not see that it may just be mystery and then it's like all right well see you later by correct yeah uh, but i think that that raises a number of questions about the product one of in terms of like actual supply but i think you know as you agreed one of the most reliable things here is we're not going to have limited events because historically sets like jumpstart battle bond uh, yeah conspiracy those are all draft driven formats those are formats where you can fire drafts for months off of that product alone. And that's generally what's going uh, to move your product over a longer period of time rather than just having it on your shelf. As long as you have the yeah. events to remind people that, hey, this is a thing you should buy into because it's fun, you'll move that product. Yeah, and here we're not getting that because we don't have the limited influence. Yeah. It's also combined with the fact that, you know, based on various factors, people may just not be able to afford boxes at this time which could lead to fewer sales, which again, if you are you know, backpacker, mid-level vendor, whatever, and you can get in with a local store, try to help them out. Hey, you know, I'll buy boxes in bulk from you. Can you cut me a deal? Might not be the worst time to do mm-hmm. that. Um, I think that it's also telling that, and I don't think there's anything greater tinfoil hat going on here. Uh, We're seeing an emphasis on arena formats coming from Wizards at the same time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Play more historic. 
look at these cool things we're doing. We're shaking the format up constantly while they're also kind of putting all the other formats on the back burner. Mm-hmm. And goes into the historic, I think, is either going to replace Modern or Pioneer. We'll see. Uh, and that's, that's I think, one of the important things to pay attention to as well. Yeah. Not to mention buy lists are going to be kind of rough for LGSs now again because where do you get your singles from? Mm-hmm. That's actually the the more interesting thing. So very importantly you mentioned all the all these supplemental formats that are meant to be drafted and then sell over time based on the experience that people have at those draft events. Without this kind of event, Jumpstart kind of loses its allure in paper. So anybody who's looking for a lot of these cards for EDH still probably not going to buy boxes. They're going to buy singles, which means paying inflated prices. People aren't just going to buy boxes to crack singles until the EV of the box raises above the price based on the secondary market, which is definitely something we'd see happen. I actually wasn't sure if Jumpstart was going to be on Arena, and lo, it actually hits this Friday, July 16th. Or no, sorry. Yeah, this Friday, July 16th. So there will be eyes on this card, uh, sorry, eyes on this product uh, because it's being released on Arena instead of Moto, which would be competing against Vintage Cube right now or, you know, the fact that people still need to have a Moto account versus an Arena account. Yeah. And I don't know if that's going to be enough to push people to try and buy boxes of a set that they have to draft in person and kind of put themselves and others at risk to do so. I've got a friend that's had two boxes of Battle Bond uh, from before we went into... Uh, not Battle Bond, sorry. Um, mystery. From before we went into oh, yeah, mystery, Lockdown. Yeah. They played it at uh, the Grand Prix that it, one of the Grand Prix that released that had a blast and just came back and bought two from an LGS. And we have yet to be able to schedule a time for it because it requires eight people. And that is a lot right now. Despite the fact that our state yep. allows gatherings up to 75 Eight just seems still unrealistic because who knows who who's been with. I mean, yeah, it's hard to yeah. say. And it's all just kind of part and parcel. And then pushing everything out into September just kind of piles on and exacerbates the issue. I really have no doubt that September is just Watsy dragging their feet on the rest of 2020. There's nobody that there yeah. that's op- there's. It doesn't seem like anybody that is optimistic that they're going to get paper events before the new year maybe fnms in some states where the curve has been flattened and they feel like it's okay we at watsi will push this through but there are store owners that are also just kind of flying in the face of watsi and still having fnms we've been seeing this push through this announcement was made late last week and we've seen stores that say f them we're holding fnm uh, the only thing we we will do at home is the zendikar pre-release because they have told us that that is the way this will be done yeah and it's that's another thing that could create fallout because you know losing your sanctioning means one less spot which granted depending where you are you may only have one or two lgs's and that's it Mm -hmm. you know i where i'm at in st louis we're kind of spoiled even with all the closures over the last year we're still sitting at about 20 stores within a 30 minute drive but if you only have you know like one or two and one of them does this all of a sudden that's one less store with access where you can get singles. That's one less store where you can get sealed product. That's one less store where you have players. As we all know, sometimes players get alienated in one shop and then just go to another one and never come back. And if their store closes, they just may be gone. Yep. And losing that, you know, 
They could potentially move to the kitchen table scene. They could potentially leave altogether, or they could potentially move back to the LGS. There's just a lot of uncertainty here, Mm -hmm. which to me goes back to if you want to invest, invest in the reserve list. Otherwise, hold on to it exactly long enough to turn it into money. (laughs) But No, it's absolutely right, and you have to look at this uh, that kind of way where it does make sense to buy into jumpstart but only if you want to sit on the sealed product for enough time for it to mature and become worthwhile it, it's not a product that you really want to invest in and try and flip for singles immediately this is something that can definitely mature because of that but it's based yeah. almost entirely on the situation at hand if you come out of this in 2021 and there's a huge interest in jumpstart and print to demand or print at will actually kicks in and they're able to print this alongside standard set then everything kind of devalues for a little bit of time yeah but i i I was gonna say i think the place to look is jumpstart the uh green edh thing and possibly zendikar depending on what's going to come in in the collector's stuff and that that's the finance implications of being out until september that's edh 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 and the reserve list Pretty yeah. much. And I think that, you know, it, it's kind of... You may see an opportunity in Secret Lairs if we get more. Who knows what Wizards is doing with those. I think this has definitely made the Chandra spellbook basically a non-starter. Yeah. Um, at least short-term. Long-term, maybe we'll see. But I know for a fact there's still some sitting in the Southern Warehouse that shops just declined i'm sure because they didn't see a reason because they're not going to have enough people my store has chandras and i'm pretty sure they still have gids if i want to walk in and buy like eight gideons and some infinite number of chandras i can but there's just nowhere to churn those cards they're not bad but they're meant to be played worship rest in peace path to exile and gideon those those are more meant for constructive play than they are edh but chandra's a little different like you can look at uh passive points Torch of Defiance, and some of the other cards. like They are EDH playable, a little more so than looking at Gideon. But yeah, the rest of that uh, spellbook is just a, non, a non-starter, because there's no need, no interest. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, it's... I'd actually kind of seen, at least locally, there had been an uptick in people looking for singles, because they were excited to get back to weeklies. Uh, there were stores that were like, well, you know, we're going to fire Pioneer. We've got our six-foot tables turned long ways. Mm-hmm. It sucks, but you're playing. And you'd started to see, at least locally, a little bit of more of a financial driver to it mm-hmm. because of that. Because I had people coming to me saying, hey, I need XYZ cards for Standard Modern Pioneer. Can you see what you can get? And now, for those of you who are also backpackers locally, you're probably going to see that dry up. Yeah. If you've had that, it's going to go back to, I need, I don't know, Psychotog for my Dimir EDH discard deck. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, that's that's where you're at now. Yeah. And harkens back again to the point. EDH is continually the one format that continues to accrue value during all this. Yep. The people are finding new and interesting ways to play EDH with each other. Uh, uh, I've got two two play groups I have that I, that's six people total, including my, myself and my wife. And in one play group, the other two guys actually just jam EDH on camera throughout the rest of the yep. week. Like we play on yep. Saturdays a group, and they just jam 
on webcam during the week for funsies. Like, this is what's happening now. This is the reality we live in. People are still looking for these cards. It's what's going to move. Nobody's going to be picking up standard one because we're headed towards rotation, and two, we don't know we're going to, when we're going to play it again in paper. The same thing with Modern. It doesn't matter that that format was more popular than Pioneer. Both of those formats are basically dead at this point until we actually can move yeah. back into the LGS and the Mythic... Sorry, the Magic Fests. Until we get that stuff back, it all just... Everything just kind of dries up and fades away. And it feels and I, bad, but that's just circumstance. Yeah, and I think we're getting closer and closer to, like... Like you said, people just recognizing and, and acknowledging, like, look, we're we're never getting this. Like, we're not getting paper magic this year again in a large scale event. You know, we're not going to get F and M's anymore. And then maybe twenty twenty one, we do get those mythic fests. And until then, this is kind of where we're mm -hmm. at. Mm -hmm. I, I would expect at least modern to rebound when we can. This isn't a time that I would divest from the format. Uh, yeah. We know what's coming out through the rest of the year, and, and there is a light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, in 2021. So while mo modern collections as a whole have been devalued over the last couple of months, it's more because the format is unplayable in paper. It's not like the format isn't evolving and isn't playable on Moto. It's still firing all the time on Moto. It is still hugely popular. What you have to hope for is that once this is over, and all those people that were playing modern on Moto decide they're ready to play again, they actually come out and play paper and kind of push that format. And Watsi recognizes the format is still being played at the FNM level in paper and gives us the Magic Fests and the Mythic Championships that we are supposed to get in Modern again moving forward. I don't think the format's dead. I think Pioneer is a lost cause at this point. Apparently the format has yeah. stopped firing. Todd Anderson and Sam Black, I believe, over the weekend basically verified that in a conversation they had back and forth. So that's a format that I'm not too worried about. I would look more to divest if Bylas ever stabilized there, but I don't know, moving coming out of this, sealed product's going to be interesting, and then I think the magic market just goes back to what it was prior to Pioneer. Uh, with, aside from yeah. you know, EDH just being the place to be, the safest place to be, essentially. Very true. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Anything else? Um, no, I think the, the only other part that's kind of important to me about this is the last little bit, the last little headline in the announcement just says, we'll update on a monthly basis starting in September. And the the company I work for, we did the re we did our reviews every six, four to six weeks in our announcements of delay of when we would come back. And mm -hmm. when we left in March, it was first going to be April, and then it was pushed out to June. Then as we got midway through may it was pushed to september and last week it was pushed to january 2021 midway through january 2021 2021 when we're supposed to come back and i'm sure watsi says they have economists in place which means people have been doing forecasting for the game itself and i'm sure they have people watching what's going on within uh north america and latinam yeah and they see the same thing so as I mentioned earlier, I do believe they have an idea of when we're coming back. This is this last little blurb is to satisfy people with the idea that Watsi's going to be delaying this a little bit and trying to give people hope that we will play Paper Magic again. But I don't think it's going to happen until 2021. I, I don't either, and I think it's important that they... Um, 
they don't outright disallow it. Yeah. Because I think you're right. I think they have to give people that hope, but I think they know when it's coming back, and I think they know it's going to be a while. Yeah. And I'm sure they're going to have some experimentation stuff with small person events, much like Major League Sports are yeah. doing uh, within the U.S., and they'll let players bow out of competition in exchange, in exchange for uh, an appearance at the next event of the same caliber. But I, I don't doubt yeah. they will test the waters with some of those small in-person arena tournaments because people can still also still play those from home or yeah. from on-site but off-site. So if you only have your two competitors on main stage but everybody else is playing back in their hotel rooms or you know a video village, wherever, you can still run your events like that and kind of quarantine at the event itself. I do expect some kind of experimentation, and I believe that will be the, f- the signal that paper magic will come back once they can figure out how to do an, an in-person arena event then we'll get paper magic event of, uh, magic back officially yeah but and i'm honestly the fact that they've i think it is telling up and that up until this point they have not allowed for an in-person arena mythic fest which was something that they'd done that was literally if you look at the setup already satisfied social distancing guidelines yes so the fact that we haven't put that up for consideration or anything to me, much like you, tells me we're probably not going to get it. Yep, agreed. So that's that's where I am, and that's kind of my my takeaway. And it I dislike that it happened so close to uh, the episode where we talked about it initially, but I think it's very important to to look at and analyze and think about moving forward because this does again have widespread implications on how you handle yourself financially within this game and what moves you want to make and what to watch out for and how to speculate for the future of the game. Yeah. Not just the future of a format, so to speak. So. Very true. That's the last little bit I have before we move into picks. That's so. all I got, too. We're good. All right. Uh, you want to go first with yours? Yes, uh, tying into the delay of Paper Magic, uh, I am specifically highlighting something I picked prior, which is the alt art Japanese War Dovin. Uh, I am actually, on a broader sense, saying that any of those cards are very viable because we're not getting Paper Magic. War is going to rotate, and we're not going to have any more of it until then. Uh, if you've been paying attention to standard prices, you've seen that a number of those cards not named Uro have started seeing a little bit of a depression in their price because we're not playing any standard. Yep. So guess what? Prices are going to go down because there's less demand there with less paper magic. And aside from the EDH cards, you're not looking at a whole lot here. No. And I think that, you know, we've basically come off an all-time low within the last couple weeks for Dovin? Uh, it's hard to uh, tell because there's no graph for the non-pre-release version of the Japanese promo, but if you're... yeah, I have the, the English version up, which has what I assume is a similar price trend, which is exactly what you said, just trending down, trending down. Yeah. And uh, these cards are not coming back. The ones that are in demand, Nissa... Liliana, Karn, that stuff. And Karn has even dropped because, you know, it's banned in pretty much everything. Uh, Those have been holding steady. Yet again, though, Mm -hmm. your low-hanging fruit has been 
just chugging right yeah. along as low-hanging fruit. And eventually, people are going to start trying to collect these, and you're going to start seeing them be worth money. Yeah. And I think that, you know, kind of like when I picked the Divert Invocation way back when, these low-hanging fruits are where you're going to make the most yes. money. Yeah, absolutely. Margin-wise, because they're not... What are you going to do? Spend $5 on a bunch of them at a quarter apiece? Great. When you dump that same amount for a dollar each... That's... That's exactly what it is. This is free real estate. This is the Theros temple temples all over again. The Theros temples rotated out of standard yeah. at a quarter a piece, but they were incredibly EDH playable, and EDH drove those cards to dollars a piece. It wasn't quite uh, the fact that the blue white and the black blue one made it into modern in the Ad Nas deck, and I think the green white one showed up somewhere that wasn't in Pioneer that drove them drove that price. No, that was EDH that put them there. And these are definitely EDH playable. And Dovin is one of, like, the... Dovin goes in a pillar deck. Grand Arbiter yep. Augustine the Fourth. That card. The Indomitable Stacks card. It, it, it yeah. fits in that deck. People play that deck. They like that deck. It absolutely has a home. And as you look through the rest of the supporting commanders, they all read the same for what this card does. It is playable in any of those decks it's a taxing effect it's something you want or need and it's very easy to pick up at anywhere between a quarter and a fi and 50 cents each and all day long if you can yeah uh and it's it's also dovin specifically satisfies that fringe competitive when you first start branching out from casual edh into something that's a bit more high-end spiky yeah and i think that that's that's a niche I love personally mm -hmm. uh, because I love CEDH. But even looking at some of the stuff like Kiora, I those alt arts are just incredibly affordable right now. You don't have to go super deep. You can go wide and spend the same amount of money and get multiples of everyone instead of a bunch of one. Oh, absolutely. Just to increase your chances to hit yeah. because these are just super low visibility right now yeah. because no standard and i think that what you'll see is a lot of this fringe collectible isn't really the right word but a lot of these collectible targeted cards in current standard sets that are about to rotate mm -hmm. your alt arts your full arts whatever those are going to fly under the radar until we get paper magic back again yes. and i think you, you could see movement after we get paper magic on them so timeline-wise, probably looking at at least 2021 on this stuff. Uh, so, you know, don't buy a bunch of it if you're not super comfortable holding onto it for a long time. But you can at least spend 10, 20 bucks, get a decent amount of this stuff, and sit on it. Oh, absolutely. I'm trying to, to find out, because I did something similar when I found out that... Um, about the Uncommon Planeswalkers, because I figured they would be super cheap. I'm trying to figure out how many I bought... But I went out and snow-covered lands. Uh -huh. I don't know where it is, but I I have an entire deck box full of the uncommon yeah. planeswalkers, uh, English variant, just because they were pennies a piece essentially, and yeah. there was no reason why any of them would be less than what I paid for them in the future because they are 
uncommon planeswalkers. They would have a novelty them, novelty to them in that sense. And despite the fact that they only have one ability, they were the first set of planeswalkers with passives, which were fairly important. So there are some clunkers in there, sure. Like the again the Tybalt, just because you can pick on Tybalt all day long, uh, not that great. But or Tybalt, yeah, I know, right? But you still have uh, the Wanderer. You still have is, uh, Tomac is the white creature, but there's another white uncommon. Like one white uncommon stops damage. You take damage dealt to you. The other one st- stops damage dealt to the Planeswalker. Um, yeah. You and there there are these just nice. Nicely templated planeswalkers and uncommon. Uh, yeah. And alt art English, I think both are extremely worthwhile. I, I agree with the reasoning more on the alt art than the English at this point because alt art is drying up, but people don't seem to notice. So you can just be yep. kind of sneaky and work below water, so to speak, and pick them up. And as you mentioned, it's cheap. So why not? It's just great. Yeah. yeah. You don't need to go wide on all of them. You can go wide on the useful ones for sure yeah and still spend a couple bucks and, and come away with a nice haul for when those do you know quad up or hex tuple up to two dollars like easy <laughs> um my pick's a little more uh not robust not unique maybe probably more robust in the sense that it actually is a general it's a tashana voice of thunder it's a card i've been monitoring for about a month uh, yep. it hit CK Bialis and there was a lot of hubbub about it a while ago so I just kept some eyes on it until it hit some trend markers that I liked to see so when I started monitoring this card in early June CK was buying 24 at a dollar 60 each they're still buying 24 but now they're two dollars and five cents and two dollars 67 cents in credit and the dollar 60 had stayed the same up until this past Friday between Friday and this morning, this card has increased forty cents on and buy less value, but the number has stayed the same. Uh, moreover, the other thing that uh, that I find, I guess, kind of interesting now was trending on TCG Player. The number of unique vendors have been dropping this entire time. In that time span, it went from I think I have eighty nine down to seventy three. 86 to 79, but there is no restock. There's actually been a restock today. However, it looks to be in foreign language. Yeah, there's uh, Korean and Japanese that got yes. added. And those are, those two are sitting at the, the bottom of the list. They are the cheapest. Uh, yeah. The interesting thing about this card that, I, that makes it kind of appealing to me is that this is a card that when you look at the EDH playability, it kind of straddles this line between purely casual pillow forty and extremely aggressive and if you slide it into the kind of pillow forty deck then you're going to look to draw your library and win with Thassa's Oracle or Laboratory Maniac and kind of play that game and you don't need Time Spiral and Windfall and a lot of these other cards you can play with like Keenan, uh, Bonder Prodigy the the new Simic Mythic from Akoria. Yeah. you can play with uh, Tatiova, Benthic Druid from Dominaria which basically has landfall draw card you can just play this kind of like go mid game and just push forward with your plan and not be too offensive until you all of a sudden win if you want to turn the corner and be aggressive there is a little more like elfy kind of build where you just wind up winning with 
Natural Order and Craterhoof Behemoth. Yeah. And the classic. Exactly. And that version's a little more spiky. It can be more expensive if you want to play like the the cradle and everything else to go with that side of the deck. You also get is it uh Edric Spymaster Ed, yeah. of Trest, so you can yeah, there he is. Let's bring this up. Um, whenever a creature deals combat damage, you draw cards. You know, there's a, a weird merfolk theme if you want to be kind of low-key about it. But it, it plays yeah. kind of all spectrums of EDH. And you could even play Pillow Forty and just slam that crater huff and win with a handful of creatures. You don't have to be, you know, looking for the Deadeye Nav combo in here. You don't have to yeah. do that kind of stuff, Peregrine Drake or Palancron, what have you. It's real this is another EDH pick that kind of spans the gamut between competitive and casual. It is a card that does something that a lot of players love, which is not just Dirtle, but draw cards. Yep. And it pairs nicely with the draw card theme, be it in uh, Simic or Mono Blue or a Heavy Green Stint. And this is a card that just has not se- really seen a refill at all over the past month. It just keeps drying up. It is uh, moving naturally. There is no forced movement on this. And it will just kind of a trip... Uh, just attrition out and be a five plus dollar card i i'd say closer to the winter rather than the fall just because the movement overall on this card and i'll bring up the stocks graph again while positive and trending in a direction that we like the slope is not great Uh, i kind of discount the dip around core 21 that's a little anomalous because we didn't get a whole lot of um, product on the market for tishana it just yeah just whatever reason the price just tanked but we you can see it's it's trending up towards five but it's going to be slow it took almost an entire quarter to get from two dollars forty to three dollars you know a 60 cents gain 60 cent gain took three months so i think between now and 2021 is when you want to move in that's when it'll hit five and if it, if it hits five there's probably nothing stopping it to move to seven and then eventually ten so this is a card that i, I would definitely pick up it's sat in bulk as a bulk mythic for a while, you know, long yeah. enough. On, you look at the price graph and it just sits there in ropes forever at like a buck fifty up until last December, and then it starts slowly climbing. So this is something you should be able to find fairly easily, and you might be able to p- talk people down from the almost three dollar price tag closer towards two, two and a quarter if you want to pick them up in bulk from from somewhere. If you have a local or, or an LGS that that has a bunch, and I think this is just a safe hold for a fair amount of time. I think it's also worth noting that uh, it's from Ixalan, which was not a very popular product. So it's not something that people had a lot of opening. Yeah. So it's kind of dry on the market. And this card can be worth a lot of money, but I don't think even when it hits 10 bucks, people are going to open Ixalan. It's still just not very popular uh and i think that that lends itself a lot of like long-term financial viability uh it also like you said there's three things that to me make simic the best color combination of magic Mm -hmm. drawing all the cards casting all the spells taking all the turns this card draws all the cards and since you're drawing all the cards you get to cast all the spells and because you're because you're doing both of those you can take all the turns it's there yeah it very neatly satisfies all of those boxes mm-hmm. that people who play Simic love. Yeah. 
Uh, so I, I think this is a great one, and I think that you're probably right in terms of timeline because this is such an EDH mm-hmm. card. I think it, it could be winter or maybe even shorter, uh, depending how you know play EDH tournaments and stuff go from here on out. Uh, the other thing that, that I find interesting is that uh, while there aren't a whole lot of foils on the market, there's 17, 20, 23 on TCG Player right now. Almost yeah. uh, a quarter of them can be arbitraged to Card Kingdom if they were buying more than two. Card Kingdom's only yeah. buying two foils of this card for $5.50 or $7.15 credit, which is awesome if you just want to drop shift two off TCG Player for about sure. five, you can actually you can pick up two dollars credit. That's an easy forty percent, you know, bump yeah. off what's there. Um, but seventeen total at anywhere from like I said five to about seven seems like an easy buy-in too. You know, maybe forty-ish dollars clears the market if you were into that. Probably not a bad idea yeah. either. You can just stay low and go with the the non-foils or you know, spend. T- not even twice as much and get the foils so up to you definitely good though choice is yours and yours alone yeah <laughs> uh, other than that I think that's a, a pretty clean a pretty clean week for us there's not a again not a whole lot going on in terms of price movement standard is more of the same and it's all on arena we haven't really seen any large historic events so I think they're coming down the Pike, I've, I've got yep. off the Watsy schedule, and we might see some movement there uh, if people yeah. begin moving on historic stuff. Otherwise, it's just hold your breath for Jumpstart this weekend and uh, move in on some, some odds and ends if you can find them. So, yeah. But, but I think it'll be good. We'll see, though. Yep. If you get, uh, I guess if you get a chance and you can draft it, go for it. Experience is supposed to be decent. You know, just wear a mask. Yeah, I I'm honestly I'm kind of sad I'm not going to get to play the limited format because it actually seemed like it was a ton of fun. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, who knows? Yeah, an alternative to KeyForge, which is also Richard Garfield created. Jumpstart looked like it was going to be promising, but you know, victim of circumstance. If they do it again, hopefully we'll be able to play it the second time round. So yeah, that would be nice. We'll see Cheers though. Cheers to that. Uh, otherwise. We are at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter, on Patreon, on Facebook. I believe we are finally on YouTube under that name. Uh, yes. I am at Halt. I am Reptar on Twitter. You are at Thirsty Sizzler on the Twitter. And we'll see you guys next week.